Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of advertising technology. Hello. So, advertising technology, it's not really something we kind of instinctively know about. Can you explain what that is exactly? Sure. It's it's the application of technology as it relates to um, the buying and selling of media so or advertising. So in today's world, that could mean radio, television, print, out of home, digital video, video on demand, or any other digital platform advertising mechanism. So when someone is um, advertising on behalf of their brand, they're using advertising technology to do it and our our company and and I've does that in my career. I've spent most of my career focused on solutions in that space, um, but it still applies more generically to technology, of course, because we're still using um, software development platforms, databases, cloud-based solutions, and the like to bring solutions to market, just like you would in the transportation industry or the space industry or any other industry. It just so happens that. That this is the advertising industry. Right. I mean, um, advertising typically was always kind of like, to me, it was billboards, magazines, that kind of thing. Like, are we now advertising in a much more sort of digital way um, that requires us to have a STEM background to be in this world? Absolutely. Um, it, it used to be that advertising was um, um, more simply achieved through the more traditional advertising channels. So for instance, in the old days, you used to be able to, and actually you can still do it today, run a spot on a, a run a commercial on a television station or network or, or the like, and end up with um, a very large audience seeing your uh, your commercial. And um, not that that didn't require technology. Of course, there was hardware and software technology um, 
dating back into the 80s that supported that type of capability. But when you consider what's happened on the internet and what started with just display and banner advertising and has evolved into, evolved into a complete migration of online life, which includes our devices, our phones, our, our desktops, our tablets, yeah. the ability to, to capture eyeballs and to have audiences see advertising has expanded enormously. So it's far beyond... Um, a television commercial these days and is really more about what can you um, how can you um, aggregate all of these advertising opportunities into something that gives an advertiser a meaningful advertising experience without it you know taking 50 times as long as it used to so that means technology is needed and it's it's driven as it's propelled the need for more technology solutions in advertising absolutely um so what got you interested in this field like what's been your career journey up until this point so um it's interesting just uh just this weekend i, I sit on a non-profit board that helps uh, runaways and and the board did a intro exercise and asked everyone to tell two truths and a lie about ourselves and one of my truths was that I liked uh, my favorite toy when I was a kid was an erector set and it's funny because the room didn't realize that my um, that that was a, a truth. They thought that was my lie, um, but it's actually it actually was true. So I've always been a builder and um, loved the uh, mechanics of um, simple technology, electrical engineering type technology, and then um, took that into software and in, in um, university and, and got a degree in, in computer science. Uh, with that. So I've always had an interest and a passion for tech and a background, um, a background in that. And what I didn't realize at the time, which is even more true today, is that every field has a need for technology. So yeah. I had never studied advertising or knew much about that field, but a career opportunity showed up when I was uh, following a consulting um a consulting job and and I realized that oh I can apply my ability to build software build software teams um, think about solutions think about tech solutions in in this field as, as well as any other so um, so I started in that field and it's not so much for me about just advertising in and of itself that is my passion my passion's definitely technology but then you know of course when you start to work with people and and um, there's the love of building and the love of working with with my teams that I that um, keeps me in the space not so much just advertising right because it sounds like the technology came before anything else um, Ab- yes absolutely so what what got you into tech because there's such a massive shortage of women in technology um what what uh was driving you so when i was in middle school the family that i used to babysit for regularly had bought at the time what was a really advanced um it was the apple 2c and that 
computer sat in their family room and after the kids used to go to bed I would sit on the computer because they said that I was allowed to look at it um, yeah. and play with it and I yeah. would play um, text-based adventure games so um, that by that I mean you know you type into a DOS prompt go north and then look tree and then you you know a, a paragraph of text would show up and describe um, what was in front of you so it was sort of a virtual world that you were imagining in your head all based on, like I said, DOS prompts and text. And I absolutely loved that, the logic and the um, the sort of mental journey of working my way through uh, an adventure game. And I realized pretty quickly after that that I wanted to um, um, pursue tech. I wanted to, I don't know that I thought I wanted to build those games, but I, I loved the idea of, of understanding more about how software worked and how it worked on the computer and um, eventually got caught on to the idea that it made people's lives easier. Um, it wasn't just for fun. It wasn't just a game, but it actually um, made simple things easier, like, um, you know, the ability to um, um, automate a, a document, you know, printing a document with different, different, um, you know, different people's names at the top of the document, just doing mm. a simple mail merge and things like yeah. that became really interesting to me. Um, so that was really what, what spawned it back in middle school and then into high school. Uh, my, it's funny, my dad used to say that, um, computers were a fad he didn't think that they would stick oh wow <laughs> and so and my dad was a doctor at the time and um i was like oh well medicine isn't very interesting either you know mm -hmm. kind of rebelling um but it turns out in retrospect that i probably should have gone into something healthcare and tech related because i really do truly have a passion for both but i was at odds with my <laughs> odds with my dad we let we still laughed about the that um the fact that he thought it was a fad for many years gosh yeah because um in terms of getting young people into coding um it is about just playing with computers in any capacity just kind of trying to just get practical with them and experimenting um is that what you would say is still a way of getting into coding and computer science today. Absolutely. So I do think that that middle school age for for girls especially but boys and girls is really a critical critical development stage as it relates to um any passions but especially tech because you're just on the you're you're still innocent enough to be open to all of the ideas you haven't shut things down just yet and um actually one of the one of the organizations that i work with um tech girls uh does a um does workshops that you can um, work with girls in middle school specifically, teaching them all about different areas of technology. So that's something I'm really active in today because I believe so strongly that that's, that's an entry point into the funnel of getting getting girls into tech. Mm. Um, so we do, they're called tech shop 
tech shops in a box. So um, we've done one on podcasting. We've done, ironically, um, <laughs> we've done we've done one on um, HTML and um, a few different few different things, uh, infographics. So that some of it's lighter tech and some of it's heavier tech in terms of actual coding. Mm. Um, but it's a great it's a great way to bring girls in. And yes, I think that is an entry point because one of the biggest problems with women in tech is not that we aren't getting into it. It's that girls aren't growing up into tech. They're, we, the, there's a problem with the funnel of getting, getting women in in the first place. Right. Yeah. And why, why does that funnel exist, do you think, in your opinion? Um, well, I mean, I think, I think the, um, the need to get girls in tech has become more, there's more of an awareness around the need for diversity, the need for um, all sorts of diversity, including gender diversity. Um, one of the, one of the th- things I um, I talk about when we, when we talk to to young girls about, um, or actually parents about getting girls into tech, is the um, back in the I guess it was probably the. 70s or 80s let's say it was the 80s when they were developing first developing the airbags um and the the teams in the in the car companies that were building the airbags were comprised of men and some of the initial tests that they did of um dummy crashes and and on on the airbags the um were not considering the um, size and shape of women and children in in a car and so there was actually some early deaths related to um, airbag design because of because of that very thing and Mm -hmm. they these teams didn't have women on them to represent the concept that we need um, we need a diverse team to think about the best kinds of solutions. So I think companies are realizing that, and I mm. think they're they're saying we need to get more diverse teams and and get women into uh, into tech. And then they're looking at their own numbers and realizing, wow, my you know I have I have less than ten percent of um, women who actually do the hardcore coding. Um, maybe I've got twenty or twenty five percent women in um, the technology field, but I don't necessarily, or the technology related roles, but I don't have, you know, um, a very high percentage of actual women coders. So then you look and say, how do I get, how do I build a funnel to get, to get girls into tech? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, um, I think that's what that funnel, that's why that funnel exists now and why we need to feed more young girls into the field. Right. I mean, to solve the problem, it has to start early on in their lives, doesn't it? I mean, then it becomes a question about changing stereotypes and cultural attitudes towards girls in STEM careers. Right, um, right. I think I think you lose girls at some point in really in high school when yeah. they start to think that math isn't cool, building isn't you know builders aren't cool, tech isn't cool, or it's it's um, it's for you know the nerds that kind of thing but i gotta tell you that i i do think that's shifted i i have a 17 and a 21 year old and i think they they do understand the um the onset of the importance of tech across all industries and have more of an appreciation for it yeah are they both girls your kids um one girl one boy ah okay because i must say that um 
the films that I cover these days, I really do see um, a, a changing proportion of girls and women in STEM. Um, and there's such an awareness that there needs to be gender parity. Um, and that's really encouraging because when I go out to film and I see uh, women doing really awesome things in tech, I just think, gosh, I wonder what the big deal has been in the past because they seem to have taken to it like a duck to water. Um, and I'm just wondering why that kind of, um, why that attitude towards um, women in STEM even existed in the first place? You know, it's a great question. I think, um... From my perspective, I, I think back to early tech, you know, you go back to the, I mean, even just um, um, sophisticated switchboard technologies to um, to run a phone system. Um, women, women actually, mm. at all stages of history, in the early development of technology, were played critical roles in either conceiving the tech operating and building the tech it there were they were embedded in those roles and something about that work and maybe the the 50s and 60s and and the way that our society viewed women in the home and um not necessarily in in uh, careers like sharing careers with men um, something suppressed that uh, that perspective for women and didn't didn't let us actually fulfill on those natural inclinations because if you put I agree if you put girls and, and girls or women in front of uh, technology problems with the right skill you know with the right uh, tools there's amazing as as I mean we're, we, we're all human we all have the ability to achieve it's um, something about yeah. society that has held us back I almost feel like I mean think about the what the um, people might say about um, religion and what's what religion has done to um, the humans over the last couple thousand years I mean I know that's not what this topic is about but um, there are social societal influences that um, rad radically mm. change our ability to to um, realize our full potential in some cases. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when I do this podcast and start talking about gender parity, I feel like actually it's a topic that is really old fashioned um, because when I'm you know either talking to a group of younger girls or just you know, surrounded by today's generation, I feel like they're so over um, that sort of male-female split uh, that it's really old news and I end up sounding dated myself. Um, <laughs> you know, times are really changing. Um, and so now I feel like we're moving into a new era of issues, which is that... Um, you know, as more and more women go into tech, how are they able to balance all the aspects of being female? And it sounds like you've been balancing those different aspects, whether it's motherhood, career, personal life. Um, sounds like you've been balancing it quite well. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I do. I think you're right. And I hear you on the feeling like we're date, we kind of date ourselves by talking about those older issues and mm. we've moved on. But I do also want to say that the reality is 
that I still might walk into a room full of engineers and be the only woman or one of two or three women in the room out of, you know, 20 or 30 people. Mm. Not not always, but there's still a very um, significant minority that women represent in at least some cases in the workplace. And we still have a lot of uh, runway there to to really yeah. solve for that problem. So I think mm-hmm. that, I think you're right that the attitudes are changing, but um, the reality isn't yet as as fully as we need it to. So um, and and so and we all still feel the repercussions of of not having full representation, gender representation, mm-hmm. and you know um, ethnicity and things. And and there's also still cultural norms around um, how different. Uh, countries treat and and treat women in their in in their world and then how that translates into the workplace as well Mm. so I guess all I'm saying is I think there's real barriers there yeah Um, but but that said to your point about myself specifically I don't actually feel particularly affected by a lot of those issues. I'm aware of them being a woman in leadership and also in technology and sensitive to them, but um, myself have been able to forge a path that um, I think it probably has to do with some um, built-in self-confidence, but um, able to forge a path that has allowed me to balance my work and life and feel comfortable and good about driving a company forward, even in the face of some of those challenges. Yeah, I mean, I want to break that down um, because uh, I must say I'm pretty confused. We're in an era where the current generation are wanting to be very individual. Um, The prominence of social media in their lives allows them to have a platform and a voice um, to be completely self-expressive. And so that's going on. But then at the same time, I feel like there is still a long way to go in terms of developing emotional intelligence and self-confidence and self-belief, particularly amongst girls, particularly in STEM fields. Do you reckon that's where we're at? Yeah, I think um, I think you're touching on something that's very real and very important. Um, I I would say for myself, let me just say that I think I was born with a uh, particularly healthy dose of self-confidence and maybe given some of that through, um, a lot of that through uh, great parents and and a great family environment. So I recognize that I um, uniquely sometimes possess um, a self-assurance that I don't always see in um, young young women, even my my own daughter, frankly. Um, so, uh, th- just just to, just to say, I I think that I think what you're pointing out is very real. I think so- social media has expanded uh, girls' ability to. Uh, express themselves but you know we also know behind a lot of that social media is um, our feelings of um, isolation and loneliness and lack of self-worth because of what they feel yeah exactly because of what you know is being purported as um, you know everything's so great on social media and it's actually not what real life's about exactly Um, so I, I think 
girls do and young women do have some unique challenges there mm. but you know maybe not unlike previous generations in terms of um really feeling their own self-worth and and ability to to drive forward i do think our i think our schools and our society are better at recognizing girls and and lifting them up at younger ages and not holding them back and that so that's going to create more forward momentum for sure yeah i mean when you talk about self-assurance um you know i kind of wonder what can be done to help girls in particular develop that i mean is it just parenting or you know if girls felt like they didn't really have supportive parents is there somewhere they could go to develop the self-assurance and self-esteem that they need so first of all i do think there's a nature nurture component and i think we just need to name Mm. that because um, some people are hardwired with more of that innate capability and comfort and some are not and if you're not hardwired with that self-assurance and you have other um, societal impacts that are affecting you whether it's your family your community your socioeconomic means etc then you may or may not have more disadvantage around that Um, I mean look I think if you expose girls to opportunities in an equal fashion as as boys and, and to all children at the young at young ages and give them experiences that they can um, touch and feel and learn and experience and not just read about but you know real tactile experiences I think that we mm. have a chance at you know moving girls into into things that um, empower them and I, yeah. I I mean, I think that we have a better shot at doing that now than we were doing, you know, 50 years ago. I think we're doing a better job and I think we still have a long way to go. I don't know. Does that, does that, is that touching on anything? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a very multi-layered, deeply complex issue Um, and it has to have a multi-pronged approach. So, you know, if parents could be supportive of girls um, trying more male-dominated subjects or traditionally male-skewed subjects, um, I think that would really help. But I think, you know, there are a lot of people out there who do fit into the diversity and inclusivity group who maybe don't have... um, as strong a support network or foundation as others. And so I I wonder whether that means that they are doomed from the beginning or whether there are things um, they could do to help themselves. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think another way to consider this is, and, and if you think about the, software is eating the world kind of concept and just the the way that social media digital platforms and the like are taking over our our planet right now um when you talk to a young person regardless of their history and background there is an awareness that technology is an opportunity it's a it's a way out it's an it's a and there's a lot of training programs 
and, and um, educational tracks that support people getting into technology at different phases of their life. So, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, I'm talking about getting middle school girls and, you know, young children exposed to technology. And I think that's it to, to, I think that's important to building technology. But the reality is, you know, I think a, a, a one-year-old nowadays, as soon as they have some level of fine motor skills, has an iPad in their hands and, and are, are exposed to technology in ways that you and I can't even imagine because it's just so ingrained in their day-to-day. So mm. to that end, um, maybe regardless of your... Um, your psyche, your certainty about how you, you know, how good you are at one thing or another. Technology's everywhere, and there's so much opportunity associated with it um, that it, it, you know, I, I think it may be more accessible than we think, and we may see more of a sea mm. change around girls shifting into it, everyone shifting into it. You know, it's funny, my one other um, thing you're making me think of, my daughter, um, when she went to college, um, she said she wanted, she thought maybe she wanted to be a dietitian. Now, of course, you know, um, university students change their majors sometimes multiple times, but she thought she wanted to be a dietitian. And I said, why don't you just Google um, some information about dietitians, salary, um, typical day of a dietitian, just to get an idea. And she came back to me and said, um, I don't think I will make enough money because we had been talking about salaries. I don't think I'm going to make enough money as a dietitian to, um, you know, I don't think that's going to work for me. I want to do something that makes me more money. And I thought, okay, well, that's good for you to know that that matters, your lifestyle and knowing what a different different salary levels will provide you. Well, you know, and the reality is technology, the technology field um, is a, a very high paying field with enormous demand and not enough supply to fill it. So um, I think I think the fact that there's this wide open opportunity is going to yeah. throw more girls and more of our society into tech than we ever imagined. We might have a different set of challenges mm. around it, I guess. Yeah. So tell me more about you, because it sounds like you have rock solid confidence um, in yourself. Has it always been like that for you? Um, I would say I do have a, um, like I mentioned, I do have a healthy dose of hardwiring um, around my self-confidence. I, I definitely had um, periods of adversity, especially in my childhood, that had me feeling um, bad about, um, you know, I don't know, where... My, the direction I was going, even just like I mentioned about my dad saying technology is a fad, that actually was a challenging time for me because I, I didn't think it was, and I wanted to pursue it. And my father was saying, you know, um, it's really not not something I think is important. So there was a certain a certain amount of adversity I think I faced, but um, m- mostly I, I'm, I'm I'm very driven by. Uh, what I think is right and I like I'm very collaborative so it's not as if I'm doing this in a vacuum I work with a lot of different people to take inputs and once I've got enough data from um, friends family colleagues and the, and people that surround me that are important I feel very comfortable moving forward with decisions that I can um, justify and explain 
And maybe it's not the only decision that's right, or there's multiple ways to do things, but um, I feel very comfortable about making decisions and moving things forward in business and in my personal life with that strategy. And I think I've always been like that. No, I think it's absolutely incredible that despite the negative, it it sounds like you were swimming against the tide in what you wanted to do with your career, but you were driven anyway. I mean, what is that? Like, how how do you bottle that? <laughs> because, you know, I think often women have ideas, particularly in tech, but they're shot down because they're just not the norm. Like, how do you even describe or quantify what it is that keeps you going despite the negativity? So, so I think what you're touching on is what I was, what I was going to say. I'm not sure that just me being me is terribly helpful because what I think would be helpful is exactly what you're saying, which is how do you break it down into things that I could help people with that I could share with with a a, yeah, a woman that we could copy. right that a woman that doesn't feel that way innately could 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 mirror so so yeah. here's a couple things that I think are um, are relevant um, a friend of mine and a mentor for many years shared with me once that um, if you can explain and justify your decision then it's a good one and you should go forward with it and by that i mean and he meant um do your research think through your problem think through your challenge and see if you can create scenarios that feel like they're the right thing to do so um for instance in in my world if i'm um trying to decide where to invest in our uh in our technology business and to grow the revenue for the company i have many choices available to me in terms of um the advertising mar- you know marketplace and, and where I could go and what I could do but if I if I think through okay these three options are good ones and here's why and then I narrow it down to the one or two that I really want to get behind and here's why and I can explain that to my superiors my bosses the people who fund our new business efforts then I've got something to stand behind and I so I, I use that in all sorts of ways in my life. And I teach that to my children. I encourage them, you know, your decision is just because you've made a decision, even if you feel bad about it or you feel bad about yourself in in getting there, if you can justify that decision, it's a good one. So, So that's at least one piece of it. And remember too, on, on that front, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, do you not think women often make decisions that are instinctive and so therefore it's kind of difficult to justify because it just feels right? <laughs> wow, that's a really that's a really thoughtful point. So yes, probably. And maybe that's the basis sometimes of, well, I'm, you know, as a woman, I'm coming at this differently. Mm. And I maybe I'm not as sure footed about those decisions, because I didn't come at it with as much um, facts and data and thoughtfulness around it. But but I then I then that reinforces my point, which is, you know, I, I should if, if you take your instinct and you back it with some things that people who come at it 
differently can understand as well, mm. then you've got a robust case for um, moving your ideas right. forward. And I think on that note, um, often when women have an instinct about things, um, because it's kind of the second thing to do, which is to fact check and do your research, um, what often happens is that women go into self-doubt instead. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're touching on something really important. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I have a good feeling about this and it's not second nature to go and fact check and use my brain and kind of be all rational about it. It just feels right. And so maybe I've just got the wrong feeling. So I'm not going to pursue it. In fact, let me just leave and never do STEM again. <laughs> right. And and what about, you know, how about when you have tried things instinctively and they don't work out right. and, and, and you fail at it and then that just contributes to uh, a trail of feeling less sure, less confident about what you're doing. Mm, yeah. I mean, what have you done when you experience self-doubt or have you ever experience self-doubt well i mean of course like i I can think about um uh when i took over as president of the current company that i'm i'm running today um that was six years ago and i took over for a longtime friend colleague and mentor who retired at the time and i remember feeling very inadequate for the job um maybe knew that I I had the sort of overall chops for the position, but really did not know if I could swing um, running a 300-person technology company and growing it double digits and and really just, you know, taking it to the next level. Mm. I felt unsure at every turn on that. And what I ended up doing, though, was certainly, I mean, was willing to admit that to my inner circle as I sort of battled my way through um, the early the early years in, in that role. Um, but, you know, I threw myself into doing my doing my best and being very transparent with my team, building a lot of trust with my personal team, um, because I, I immediately I knew I always knew that um, working with other people and having you know a great team that supports you is um, it, it it multiplies your own ability to move things forward. So um, I leaned heavily on them, and sometimes I think back even now and get embarrassed about some of the mistakes I made early on and the uncertainty with which I was kind of moving through things and, um, you know, over-indexing on things that didn't matter, you know, maybe trying to um, be go to too many trade shows and soak up the industry in a way that was not necessary or is important to us and um, realized that in retrospect and look back on it and think, gosh, you know, I'm so grateful for my team for supporting me through just sort of figuring it out, like just Mm. being too much, being too little, you know, whatever that was. Mm. Um, It's sort of like, you know, you think about your children and um, I think about my kids and, and they, so many things that they do that they might reflect on as embarrassing or silly um, when they're, you know, younger and then they grow up and mature and evolve through it and we're their parents. So we just love them through it. And um, I feel like, you know, our, my team loved me through it too. And so there was a lot of, 
uh, a lot of that uncertainty. So just because I'm self-assured and confident doesn't mean I'm not sort of <laughs> crawling and struggling my way through new experiences as I evolve too, you know? It sounds like, you know, when you had self-doubt, you actually had people around you that were supportive. Or I built the trust of people around me to, to support me, knowing that I needed that. Right. And you also were allowing yourself to fail, essentially, make mistakes, not be the best and own it. Because I think a lot of girls, um, particularly girls that I talk to that are in male dominated classes in maths, for example, they um, are scared to participate in the class because they don't want to be seen as getting the wrong answer. Whereas I think if you have confidence in getting it wrong, that can be extremely empowering. And it sounds like you had an element of that. Yes. And I will say, I think that that is something you um, grow into being, you know, there's, a, but but I, I, I like what you're saying that I think we're getting to some of the components of, of what works for young women or any, any women in terms of navigating, um, these navigating this territory right like how do you um how do you surround yourself with people if you don't have them that can support you um, allow yourself to fail um, um be be transparent and and real and be confident in your in your own voice those are all things that um they're the they're the makings of this self-assurance that we're talking about it's just uh it's it's elusive you know it's not so easy yeah uh, and i think it really does depend on personality types i mean um i'm skiing this week um and you know it's not something that comes naturally to me um, but I must say that when I'm told that I can do it and that I'm doing good and don't worry, um, you know, everyone makes mistakes and, you know, when I'm giving that encouragement, I feel like I can keep going. But when I'm constantly shot down, um, you know, like you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Like I, uh, I don't thrive in that kind of environment. And so um, it sounds like your career was built in an environment where people really believed in you until you believed in yourself. I think that's right. And I also think that I was intolerant or quick to shed the things that didn't, I felt didn't support me. So in your skiing example, if right. you're with a group of people that are not making you feel like you can do this, then you're probably not going to go skiing with them mm. next time. <laughs> right. And, well, some people keep going. I mean, you know, I do find that women in STEM, you know, they have vocalized how unsupportive and how competitive and how difficult it is to be a woman in STEM. But they're so passionate about the technology or the science they're involved with that they keep going. And you just think, my gosh, why? But then they drop out otherwise. And then we're back to sort of square one with low numbers of women in tech. So... Maybe what I'm getting at is that, um, and actually my podcasts usually end up tending towards the direction of, you know, not necessarily changing female attitudes, but maybe changing people's attitudes towards women. Sure. 
I, th- I think having a mentor is another thing that's super helpful in navigating being a woman in STEM and having, I mean, maybe just in life, let's say, but (laughs) also being a woman in STEM. Because if you have someone that has the uh, benefit of years of experience and a little bit more perspective, Mm. um, it it can be so helpful in at places where you might otherwise feel like you're going to drop out or you're going to, you know, you're going to back down. I I just met with a, um, there's a mentor, there's a mentor program that we do in our company and um, leaders are matched with um, young men and women in their um, developing careers. And one of my mentors from last year, from 2019, um, she and I had coffee and she wanted to pick my brain about um, pursuing her next, like what should she be sort of ambitiously pursuing in her next role as a woman in STEM? And I, I mm. had coffee with her and I said, well, I said, well, what do you, what do you want to do? Do you want, do you want to do with that? Are you, um, are you interested in, in the next role or the next set of responsibilities or, and she, when we picked it apart, she really wasn't. She was more feeling like she should, but didn't actually feel yeah. herself particularly motivated or passionate about driving to the next level. She was actually really enjoying the job she's doing, working with the team that she has, felt like she had more to do in that space, um, but was sort of watching. You know, when you watch a fast car fly by you in, a, in the lane next to you, you think, oh, I should maybe I should speed it up. So she she was she was in that yeah. mode. But but I, I, you know, I said, I'm not the right woman to be talking to if 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 I'm going to um, if you think I'm going to encourage you to be ambitious just for ambitious ambition's sake. I think it's more important that you mm. find your, you know, find what works for you. Um, and and she has a she has right. another colleague that she works with who is really ambitious and does a lot more work around meticulously mapping her plan for the future. And I said, so go talk to her and see if anything that she says resonates, you know, because that's um, that's the other side of the coin. But um, I do think having someone that you can bounce your ideas off of, good or bad, and be be a, not be afraid to. You know, she. I thought that was a vulnerable thing for her to say to me. To say, well, I don't. You know, maybe I don't want to do that. I just thought I should be doing that. You know. Um, so yeah. having a confidant is, I think, a good, a really good piece of, of what we're trying to dissect here too. Totally. I mean, I think women often uh, are in a total dilemma about how they fit in say something like motherhood and a career because whether it's stem or not careers can be their baby essentially um and to try and juggle real biological babies on top of that can be really difficult how did you go about trying to fit all of those things in so look i mean i i visited the island of malta when um 15 years ago and learned about this prehistoric society. It's actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site where women were the um, priestesses of society because they were the creators mm-hmm. of life. And I that is one of my favorite 
um, spots and one of my sort of favorite reflection points when I think about the history of the human race. We are we have a purpose in addition to all of our other purposes, which is to um, create life and to to support and build our families. And men have a role in, an important role in that too. Um, so I have that. I'm I often have that hat on when I'm thinking about my family and my entitlement to have my family. Um, I think businesses are getting much better at supporting that for women and men, um, including mm. my own business. They've made great strides in offering um, benefits to um, men and women as they're building their families. But but I think, um, I th- so I've always felt entitled around it and did not feel like I needed to make excuses for why I would ask for more flexibility or need more time. Um, But that said, I had also already earned a a certain place in my career by that point. It's not to say that you, you might be working for an employer who doesn't have that level of flexibility and doesn't, or your job doesn't have that level of Mm -hmm. flexibility. So those are real challenges. But I think inherently as women, we have to find a way in society to, um, to demand our our right to that, to, to those, to that balance, to that work-life balance. Yeah. Gosh, you do sound, first of all, like you um, have been incredibly blessed and and lucky in life, Um, you know, supportive childhood, um, which I feel actually is the foundation of everything. Um, But also like uh, lucky opportunities in terms of building your career and having focus and drive um to really have everything you want in life do you feel at this stage that you have it all so i just want to i want to edit a little bit about what about the version of me that is this um so bright shiny and lucky because i i do think my childhood had a healthy dose of um dysfunction and challenges that came with it that came from both my mother and my father's own history and background and so while i did have parents that loved me i did have that and that is a core thing and not everybody has that um i still had a lot of challenges around my childhood that I had to um, work through and still work through Mm. actually to this day. So um, just because I think it's not relatable for me to say, (laughs) you know, I had this great childhood and I pursued women and, you know, being a woman in tech, even though it was, um, you know, it was against the tide and and overcame all these challenges to get here. I I have a lot of... um, I had a lot of challenges in my childhood that I overcame, a lot of work in my um, 20s and 30s to build my career and um, mistakes that were made. But I I do think I would hone in on some of the components that, you know, um, really did help. And this is part of what we've been dissecting, right? Which is surrounding myself by good people, shedding the people that weren't good for me quickly not you know staying in enabled enabling situations that weren't functional for me um and and making sure i had someone who did have my back leaning on my own um um intuition and and also my own 
self-assurance to to make decisions and and try things adopting the the feeling of i am a woman and having the fortunate you know the ability to have seen that that civilization in malta which really that's a that was a real pivot pivot point for me um but having those having those um opportunities i think are all part of the fabric of of who i am right now so i mean look Mm -hmm. i'm i'm 52 years old i have been um working in tech and loving the the work that i do for decades i have two grown children and a husband and feel i do feel very blessed um but it's not without i mean i've been in i've been in therapy with a psychologist weekly for 20 years like i have for working on my marriage and my personal life and helping me figure me out like i'm Mm -hmm. not above reproach here i had lots of things like life is hard it has a lot of challenges to it too Mm -hmm. um so you know i don't want to paint too rosy of a picture because that wouldn't be accurate Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for your honesty, because um, it's actually, sorry if this sounds sick, but it's kind of reassuring to hear that it hasn't been a smooth sail. Um, Because I think everyone experiences challenges in life, and I don't think there's anything wrong in trying to figure it out as you go along, because, you know, you're just never sure what kind of curveball is going to come your way. Um, But what you sound like you've always had is courage and self-belief. And throughout our conversation, I've been so aware of two major things that are going on. One is to constantly be developing and kind of um, supporting a real belief in oneself, which is, you know, one major piece of work to believe in yourself but the other is to really um be aware of external conditions and you know whether it's being in Malta or not you know we have to navigate adversity outside of ourselves as well as kind of um conflict or uh just difficulties within ourselves so it's two major strands that I think are coming out of our conversation that needs attention. Absolutely. And I think you were pointing out earlier that as far as the external forces go, we are seeing a tipping point of kind of a shift in our society around women and technology. And I think that's really exciting and that's real, but not without you know a series of other challenges <laughs> that are out there as well. So it's... it's um, it's exciting and um, there's still a long road ahead. Right. I couldn't agree more. So I guess um, the moral of the conversation is probably, you know, know what you want, know who you are and figure out how you fit into the your current circumstances, um, knowing that it could change and as Charles Darwin said, you know, be adaptable, I guess. Is, Absolutely. Is that a good summation? Yes. And I, I want to I wanna throw in there, because we talked about this at the end, but um, align yourself with people who have your back, mentors, people you can trust, 
maybe family members, parents, whoever that is that's really got your back and your best interests at heart, I think that's such a key component because it's it's a place, it's a safe place to go when you feel like everything else isn't working. Perfect. Well, you know what? It's been so reassuring and comforting talking to you and uh, whoever are your mentees are incredibly lucky to have you including your your kids as well so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and experiences with us today thank you shani it was really enlightening for me too i really appreciate it that's it from my stem guest this week thank you so much for listening i don't know about you but i feel like i've had a really sort of like heart to heart chat with someone who um is empowered herself but also has had um, a journey that has really taken her you know through ups and downs and at the heart of it all has been her self-belief carrying her through and uh, that's definitely something I want to work on myself so thank you for listening don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on silence <laughs>